Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. It's important that we look at our own lives and we're able to see our own lives without stain. And, and that's what it means to be washed in robes of righteousness. Is that when you look at your own life, you're not looking at your own stains. You're not looking at your own mistakes. Because God wants to give you a vision. And, and we're all champions. And I, I, it's so in line, um, thank you, until Lorraine... You know, I was mowing the lawn two days ago, and, and it's a good time. How many, you know, how many of you know that that's the best place to spend time in God's presence, is mowing the lawn, you know, or doing some other task in the house, you know, where you can just get focused, and, you know, the dishes, men, you know, how many of you help with the dishes? Can we just see a show of hands? And you feel the Holy Spirit right there. <laughs> Ben's on his own. He's putting up his hand. He helps with the dishes. <laughs> It's the best time and place to spend time in his presence, you know. So sometimes it's good to just do your own garden sometimes, you know, because that's where you, you spend time in his presence. And um, I often think, you know, God said to me one day, he said, you really can do anything and you really can be the best at anything you do. And in my mind, obviously, it goes to things like, you know, running the comrades or, you know, being the best cricket player out there or, or you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what. We all have the same ability. We all have the same ability to be a champion. There's only one defining or, you know, there's only one thing that made me not the best comrades runner is that I never decided to become the best comrades runner. And that's the only thing that separates you from being that best to where we are, is that we haven't decided to do it. And so I was thinking, and until Lorraine gets up and she's got this picture of, you know, the champion thing, the one, the two, and the three. And, and literally God's inviting us. He's saying the thing that so stirs in, I'm, I'm, it's not the best to, you know, you're not the best to just to be the best. And it's so confusing in Christian realm because, see, you know, we get so often taught to, to not be the best and to be, you know, humble and not let pride. But God is, God is putting it out there and he's saying, I want you to be the best at what you do. And you can decide to, uh, to be the best, all right? And um, so... I'm just trying to just bring it all together. But as I, as I was preparing, God just laid a message on my heart um, in terms of that and in the theme of that, in the theme of protecting your vision, protecting your dream, but also in the theme of protecting God's kingdom. Because God is establishing a kingdom of righteousness. And so over history, you will see there will be a kingdom of righteousness established. Think David and the kingdom that was established under him. 
And then three or four generations later, it's just all gone again. And then there is another establishment of, of righteousness. And we know that Jesus died on the cross and that of the increase of his government, there will be no end. But in terms of our personal lives, we need to internalize that so that we live, that we ourselves in our own lives, in our own, as, as me as Daniel, that I experience the increase of God's government in my life personally. Because collectively it's going to happen, but it's up to me to make sure that the kingdom stays inside of me. <laughs> God gave us the seed, God gave us the ability, God anoints us, but in the end of the day it's up to us to protect the kingdom in our hearts. And so... I want to go to Joel 3.14, and it's an interesting one because um, there's three prophecies that say the same thing, and this one is the, is the opposite of the other two. And now I've lost, here we go. Joel 3.14, or Joel 3, let's go to verse 10 first. It says... Well, let's go to nine. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare war. Stir up the mighty men. Come on, think about standing on a podium. Stir up the mighty men. I just want to highlight the spirit of prophecy in this house. Can I do that? Do you see the prophetic words that came out? Do you see what God is doing? God is prophesying to us right now, and he's calling up the mighty men. David's mighty men were of such might, they said one of David's men equaled a thousand of the enemy. Just one. There were three mighty men directly under David. Each of them, each of them, at one point in time, faced a battle where they single-handedly defended himself against 800 people. Do you understand what kind of might God gives you in spirit? 800. How many of you, can I just see, have used the sword in a field of lentils or whatever it is and fought off 800 people in one go? And it's not like the movies where, you know, the movies is fight one, turn around, fight another. Have you seen how nicely those groups all, you know, in the Matrix or whatever, it's just hit this one, turn around, hit that. No, they're coming to kill you. And his mighty men were able to fight off. This is, not, this is not spiritual. This is God's might. Do you understand? This is not up in the cloud stuff. This is what God's might does. So declare, proclaim among the nations, prepare war, stir up the mighty men. Let all of the men of war draw near. Let them come up. And then it says, beat your plowshares into swords. Man, and so part of speaking about kingdom, we love the prophetic word that says we're going to beat our swords into plowshares, right? It's so comforting that one day in the world we're just going to take our swords and we're going to beat them into plowshares. We're just going to plough and plow and plant and water and it's just going to be so peaceful in the garden. <laughs> you with me? But there comes a time where you need to defend the space that you're going to plant your seeds. 
And it comes a time where you need to defend and enlarge your territory so that you can actually plow. And I just felt prophetically speaking that God is enlarging our territory, but he's requiring of us to go and broaden it. Last week I was speaking, I just felt God saying, we're the ones who stretch out the kingdom on earth. So he's giving us tools, and now is not that we've just done the garden and the passion, but now is the time in passion to create the space where the kingdom can come alive. And we have to start internalizing our own lives. Do I have space in my heart for the kingdom? It starts here. And I'm going to enlarge my territory in my heart so that the kingdom can have more space. Because, you see, if you're going to be the best at doing the comrades, you need to have a lot of faith. And belief that you're actually going to do it. So you need to create that space where dreams and visions become action plans and then they become reality. And God wants to give us wisdom, the type of wisdom that supersedes our knowledge and understanding to be able to turn those dreams and visions into real action. Which means we need to get some stuff out of the way. We need to open up a heart of purity. And I spoke about purity last week where we said purity is like a mountain stream. Purity is always fresh. It is always clear. So purity is not just the absence of sin. But purity is when we wake up in the morning and there's new fresh, clear, life, water, source. The Holy Spirit is fresh and clean daily. <laughs> That's what purity is. And so we need to open up space in our hearts for the kingdom to flow in its fullness. And it means we need to be getting rid of certain things, to be fighting against certain things. And we can't just Allow those things to just stay there. I, once again this week, I heard of a good friend of mine. He's a prominent minister. He's a prominent person in the ministry. And once again, another minister has fallen into, a, into affairs. And his marriage is, is, you know, needing to be fixed again. And it's come at a point where he's just about to receive and grow in the ministry. And my heart falls. My heart is sore. Because not enough was done to defend his marriage. Not enough was done to defend his spirit. Remaining fresh, clear, and pure. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the damage that gets done to the church is huge. It's massive. And it can't happen. It has to end. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't prepare this because of what I've heard. This sermon's been coming this week. And the challenge we're taking to our nation is, man, if we want to have a government that leads in righteousness, then that government who leads has to demonstrate that they can lead in righteousness in their homes, in their businesses, with their finances, all the way down to managing their personal time and what they do when they're alone. 
Because we've got to defend that space. We've got to defend that space in our hearts where the Holy Spirit really comes alive. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit moves through our hearts? What does it look like? Come on, just imagine what it looks like. What does it look like? Jeremiah 15 verse 19. I'm not going to turn there now, but it speaks about separating what is precious from the vile. Separating what is precious from the disgusting. Separating what is precious from that which destroys. You see, God is separating what is precious. He's, div- he's, he's dividing the wolves from the sheep. He's dividing, you know, and, and, and the reason why he's doing that is, is he's calling us, he's calling the righteous to step into their calling. I don't want to bring condemnation on us, but I'm calling out, I'm saying, come on, step away from that which is dirty. Step away into that which is precious. Psalm 16. I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures here. Psalm 16 verse 5 and 6. It says, The Lord is my chosen and assigned portion, my cup. You hold and maintain my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good heritage. Going back to Joel 14, 3 verse 14. Just think, just keep that with you. Your lines have fallen in good places. Now I've lost my place. Here we go. Amos, Joel. 3 verse 14. It says... Well, let me go back to 13. Put in the sickle, for the vintage harvest is right. Get down and tread the grapes, for the wine press is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness of the people is great. Multitudes upon multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And as I was preparing that and and preparing our, our message and what we're sharing, God was God was saying, it's time to make a determined decision. To separate ourselves from that which is dirty. Jesus said, and I said this last week, Jesus said, not that they will leave the earth, but that they will not be a part of the earth. (laughs) And we have to make the determined decision. That our hearts and our lives will not have any form of dirt coming in. But our hearts and minds will remain pure and clean. But also we separate ourselves from the influence of the wicked in our lives. And that refers to our vision. You see, someone said this. They were complaining about their country and they were complaining about their land and whatnot. And that person's mother says, said to him, this is your land now. And then he said the following. When his mother said that to him, he realized the following. If there is anything we're complaining about, 
And if there is anything we're moaning about, then that's because we haven't taken leadership of that situation. (laughs) That's because we haven't determined to lead in that area. So if there's anything that we're grumbling about, it's because we haven't taken leadership. So that leaves me zero license to grumble. Zero. I have no good reason to grumble or complain about anything. Because my response in the Holy Spirit then is, how do I fix this? And what do I need to learn to solve that problem? And Jesus, how can you use me? How can I serve in that space? That's massive. <laughs> that, that is, that's a different way of thinking. That is separating yourselves from the wicked. You see, those who don't separate themselves from the wicked grumble under the wicked's influence. And they grumble under the influence of that which is going on around them. And I laughed and we made a joke about it, but at the bri we passed the tongue along, telling bad story after bad story after bad story after bad story. Because we haven't taken ownership and we haven't decided to be the difference, to make the difference. Amen? Someone excited? So, God is our determined, He is our chosen, and He is our assigned. Listen, listen to the wording of that. Listen to the definition of a determined decision. And then you read that psalm and you say, God is my chosen and assigned portion. In other words, when I'm faced with difficulty, I choose God And I assign God into that situation. There is no situation that is too big for God. So you choose Him and you assign Him. (laughs) Come on. We're talking about determined decision. I choose God. I assign Him. I give him that situation so that the situation no longer exists. And then David says, my portion, you assigned my lot, my lines have been drawn in good places. God has given you your space in good places. But now this is where that earlier scripture comes to. If you don't feel that your lines have fallen in good places. The chances are you're not going to be productive. The chances are you're not going to feel blessed. The chances are your seeds aren't going to grow. (laughs) You've got to plant seeds in good places for them to grow. So if you're feeling trapped in, if you're feeling closed in, if you're feeling like you don't have a good place to sow, then it's time to put down the plowshare and pick up the sword so that you can expand your territory, so that your lines fall in good places. The only way you do that is if you assign God and you choose God. And you go to Him and you ask Him in wisdom and He gives you a sword of righteousness 
<laughs> and you create the space. You enlarge your territory. I don't know if I'm speaking to believers. I don't know if this word is cutting through. But when I realized in my life that now I'm believing, you know, for a long time I allowed things just to go. For a long time I just allowed certain situations to get the better of me. For a long time I said, oh, my salary is not big enough. Oh, well. For a long time I said, oh, this business will never grow. This business will never do well. For a long time, I said, we live in a poor area. These people, man. (laughs) And now God's saying, but how are you going to take ownership? How are you going to enlarge your territory? How are you going to create a space where the kingdom of God can be revealed? In every aspect, right from my marriage through to income, through to church, through to you name it. God, how are we going to enlarge this territory so that we can plant more seeds, so that we can see more of your goodness? How are we going to do it? Romans 12. This is a famous, but man, in context of what we're speaking about. Romans 12 says, make, this is Paul, he's appealing. He is appealing to the church. And I come in the same spirit and I appeal to every person in the church. And I appeal to everyone who's listening to this podcast. And I, I appeal to every other church leader, whoever hears this message. I'm appealing, in Paul's words, to make a determined. And he's saying, I I I appeal to you, therefore, and I beg of you in view of all of the mercies, in view of all of the greatness of God, in view of all of the gifts of God, in in view of God himself, to make a decisive, in other words, a decision to dedicate your bodies as a living sacrifice that is pleasing to God with your reasonable service and your spiritual worship. You see, some of us want to make a dedication of God with worship alone. And some of us want to make a dedication of God with service alone. But God's saying, make a decision. Make a decision to spend time in God's presence and make it a decision to seek revival. Make a determined decision that you're not going to miss a worship moment. That you're not going to miss a moment together as a congregation and then make a determined effort to go out and see change taking place. Make a determined effort to see God alive in your marriage. God alive in your workplace. God alive in your finances. God alive in your children's lives. God alive in your schools. God alive in the schools where your kids are in. 
make a determined effort. Make a determined dedication so that you become a part of that solution. If you're grumbling that the school your kid's in does not have enough of Jesus, you make sure there's more of Jesus in that school. That's what a determined decision looks like. Go phone the principal and say, how can I help? There's always a way. An owner of a hotel writing in his book, the book's called The Way of Excellence or Excellence Wins. He was saying that when there was a snowstorm in Chicago, and Chicago just completely, I forget the city, but the city was just under a blizzard. One of his managers said, oh, well, you know, in that week we only had 40% capacity filled. And he said, why was it not 90 or 100%? He says, well, because of the storms. No one could get here. He said, well, the hotel down the road had 50% capacity, so that means that there was 50% of that hotel that could have been in our hotel. Why were they not in our hotel? That's determination. Determination is the desire to see a specific outcome revealed. What's the right word? Happening. He said one of the best examples was one of the big food chains in, in um, Texas when they had the hurricane two years ago. The hurricane in, came in and most of the stores just shut down, like we're, we're going to shut down. And this store determined not to have a single store shut down. So they phoned up all their, all their suppliers, you name it. They phoned up all of their people that were helping. They said, you get into these stores. And they gave them a vision that they want to give the best service when no one else is giving service. People didn't sleep through the night. Everyone who was everyone was in their stores, sweeping out floors, getting it clean. And then they said, well, let's speed up delivery. Instead of ordering in the normal way, Let's just, what do people need the most right now? Because everything's flooded. So it's toilet paper, serviettes, and Dorito chips. <laughs> he said, fill the, fill the trucks, half with toilet paper, half with Dorito trucks, with chips. Don't go to our warehouses. Go direct to the stores so that we can speed up service. He says, in two weeks, 90% of their stores were open where the rest of the stores were still shut. The rest of the stores were saying, it's the hurricane. These guys were open because they were determined to see a specific outcome. There is no reason to complain about anything. Do you know that their revenue was 90% of what it was the last time, the, the same time last year? Their revenue didn't dip. There's no reason, no reason to sit under whatever it is that comes your way. You enlarge your tent. You keep your space open so that you can keep plowing, so that you can keep planting seeds. We've got to have the mind of Christ. <laughs> I love what Harry shared. There's seven, was it seven types of blood that was shed for our lives? And one of them is so important. I've just been feeding on it for two weeks. But Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and before he was crucified, he sweat blood. You know why he sweat blood? Because his spirit was willing to do what his body was not willing to do yet. 
He did not allow his spirit to sit under the confines of what his body was willing to do. And so Jesus prays, he says, Father, if you could just remove this cup. This is my body speaking right now. If you could just remove this cup from me, but your will be done. In other words, this is tough. My body can't handle this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but there is a bigger and a better way. And when his spirit yielded to God's will, his body literally just couldn't handle it. And it started to spread sweat blood under stress. But Jesus had to do it because you know what? He had kingdom in mind. If at that very moment he decided, nope, I'm out of here. (laughs) We probably wouldn't be sitting here today. We probably wouldn't even be alive, never mind sitting here today. See, we don't know what our fruit bears. We don't know what is down the road when we press into. What someone once said to me, he says, you might, you might not like this decision you have to make. You might feel like you're going to miss out on things, but you have no idea what you're going to miss out on if you don't say yes to your calling, if you don't say yes to enlarging your territory. So you need to make that decision, and even though it costs you tears, and even though it costs you money, if God has put something on your life, and you know you haven't reached it because you've said it's too difficult, it's too far out, you need to step into it. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, that, with, the, with the statement that says, if your vision doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. I agree with that. But when we say that, I, I, I'm not saying, all right, now let's dream so big that it's unrealistic. Sometimes some of us have visions that are just so big, they require one painful step. You with me? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, hey, you know what, next year let's fill Loftus as Oasis. That's a vision that scares me, right? And I know that if I try to fill Loftus single-handedly, I probably wouldn't. But there are other visions in between that scare me just as much. And we go for those, right? Everyone with me? Everyone's still alive? (laughs) All right, let's go to Revelations 22, verse 14. All right, these are the things... You've got to take your plowshare. Plow this is you've got to turn your sword so that you can chase this stuff out of your life, hundred percent. And I'm talking about your personal life. Um, I'm not intending to chase people away, but but these are the sort of things. In Revelation, this is like the very last page of the Bible. The next page is my is my bibliography. And oftentimes when, when we have to make a determined decision, sometimes there's discipline at play and sometimes it's difficult. And then there's a tendency, because that's difficult, to say, yeah, but God's grace covers me and God's mercy, you know, and, and he'll forgive those people and he'll forgive. But God is determined to see righteousness established. This is about as far into the New Testament as what you can go. You with me? You can't go further into the New Testament than that. That joke, how far can you run into a forest? Someone tell me, how far can you run into a forest? Halfway. Because then you're running out again. 
So we're running out here. Blessed are those, verse 14. Blessed are those, this is Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who cleanse their garments that they may have the authority and the right to approach the tree of life and to enter through the gates into the city. It's important to note here that when, when, when Adam and Eve in their sin were chased out of the garden, God put angels there to protect them from actually getting to the tree of life in their fallen state. But now this is saying, blessed are those who've cleansed their sins. They now have the authority and the right. Those are strong words again. Say with me, authority and right. See, if your robes are clean, you have authority. You're not a soft, softy, wafty, wifty Christian. What's that song? I just, Zechariah... Um, Joel was, where is it? It's, it's, it's uh, Zechariah, you know, um, can I just go there quickly? I just want to demonstrate it. I don't want to be ugly to anyone. Please forgive me. Oh, yeah, here we go. So in, in Joel it says there, we spoke about, turn your plowshares into swords. And then it says, let the weak say, I am strong. Authority and Right. But then we go to church and we look. And now, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done. How many of you have been in those worship services? Songs written by Don Moon, great song, felt the Holy Spirit, but man, when it's sung the wrong way. I don't want to rip you away, but man, God is giving us authority and rights. So let the weak say they are strong. Come on. Come on. Not in a soft, no, 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 that's missing the point, that's missing the calling, (sighs) but here it comes, here's here's the stuff we're going to cut out, but without are the dogs and those who practice sorceries, the dogs speak about Judaism, Jesus called the Judaist people dogs, And the sorcerers, you know why without them, you know why you need to cut that out of your life? It's because they represent falsehood as if it's God himself. So they pretend to be God, but they give you a raw deal. A sorcerer does magic so that you'll be in awe and think that God is there. The Judaisms try to bring their religious system into the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls them dogs. Without them, we need to cut that out. If you think, when an actor says Jesus Christ in a movie, if you think that's using his name in vain, you're wrong. That's just profanity. That's just not respecting Religion, that's just not respecting who Jesus is. But using God's name in vain 
is when you say this is what God says and you do it for an evil intent. And you use God to get your own way. That's using God's name in vain. You come as an ambassador of Christ, but then you twist and turn people for your own gain. May I say doom can. Spray doom, can be yield. No, you're using God's name in vain. Straight out. Same with any leader. I don't care what leader. If you use Jesus' name for government ends and you're not doing what Jesus says, you're using his name in vain. The Holy Spirit is clear. That's one sin you cannot be forgiven of. You cannot be forgiven of representing God to, your, to get your own gain. God will never forgive you. Are you listening, people out there? Hello. So, the dogs and the magicians, they've come to destroy your faith. And so you need to defend your space so that you can increase your faith. The second area here, those who... Without are the dogs and those who practice sorceries and then impurity and the murderers and the idolaters. Impurity, the adulterers, the lewd, and the murderers and the idolaters. Specifically speaking about adulterers are those that no longer respect or honor the sovereignty of marriage. There are many people, and we know some of them who've been in adultery, but who at that moment confessed cleaned up their mess, and turned from their ways. But there are those that have no more respect for the sovereignty of marriage. Jesus is, Jesus is the church's bride. God chose marriage as a symbol of his relationship with the church. God has great honor and great, great, great respect for marriage. Don't neglect, don't dishonor the sovereignty of your marriage. It is sovereign. It's not something, once you've chosen to be in, man, (laughs) you with me? And I'm not going to now, there's a lot of reasons and a lot of marriages that get hurt. I don't want anyone in this room to feel guilty unless you have dishonored the sovereignty of marriage. You with me? There's, there's good reasons. If, you've, if, if, you, if your partner has already dishonored it and, and all of those things, man, we can, we can pray and, and step. But God, what I'm talking about today is the sovereignty of marriage. I'm talking about it as it was intended, as it should be and as it should have stayed. See, we're speaking about, yeah, our well-being. Murderers, idolaters, idolatry is to take something that is pure and recraft it into something that has another, another purpose. The scripture we used last week was idolatry is like a tree in a forest that is removed out of its perfect place and then reshaped and carved into something that has no life. So idolatry isn't just, oh, this is bigger than God and our worship. Idolatry is actually taking something that is good 
and turning it into something that has no effect. That is idolatry. You see, those three things, idolatry, um, murder, and, and, and adultery, they have an effect on our well-being, on our soul, our relationships. They affect our, our well-being isn't your money in the bank. Your well-being is your status amongst people, your favor with God and with man. That is your well-being. That's why some people can have no money but be pretty good, be happy where they are, because they've got good well-being. So I'm recapping here. (laughs) The magicians and the dogs and the sorcerers, they attack your faith. Idolatry, adultery, and murder attacks your well-being. It steals people from us, steals people from families. It breaks down the nucleus and the core of society and the well-being of society in general. And lastly, there won't be people who love deeds and who deal in falsehood. And in there I just saw the words corruption and steal. Man, they want to steal your belongings. They want to take what's yours away. Part of Isaiah 55, the prophecy says, man will build a house and no one will take it from him. So in this country, you can build your house and no one's going to take it from you. (laughs) Don't be afraid that property prices are going to fall and that markets are going to collapse and belongings are just going to evaporate into thin air. No, you make the space. You say, how can I get involved? And I declare that our economy will be on the rise and on the rise and on the rise because God is going to take a sword and he is already. He's taking out. If you are not a righteous leader in any capacity, you will not last. And you will be taken out. Period. Can I speak to the satellites or somehow get the message out there? And I'm not, I don't like to talk about politics and church and whatnot. But man, when I see a politician use God's in name, I'd start the stopwatch. And I say, your days are numbered. Because you're out. You've made the mistake. You're over. If you're stealing from people, your days are numbered. If you don't honor marriage, your days are numbered. Period. Because God wants righteous leaders. And he will restore our government. And he will restore our churches. And he will restore our homes back to righteous leadership. See, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we take those three and we flip them next to faith well-being and belongings. (laughs) If the devil comes to steal, we say, no, not, not in our space. We've enlarged this tent. There is no more stealing. If he comes to, if he comes to kill, we say, not on our space. There's well-being in this place. We've enlarged our territory. If he comes to destroy our faith, we say, not on our space, not in our territory. We've enlarged the territory. You have to be actively enlarging your territory so that the devil cannot steal, kill, and destroy. See, Satan's head, the devil's head, he's been crushed. He's already been destroyed. Jesus already enlarged the territory. But he's alive in people's hearts. He's alive when people say, there is a devil in my space. Then he's alive. But when you start to declare, someone said to me the other day, 
I notice you guys don't say Satan or the devil a lot. You speak about darkness. <laughs> You're not going to hear me preaching about the power of the devil and you better watch out in this church. Because he doesn't exist. He only exists when you let him exist. See, John 1 says people have loved the darkness so much they're afraid of the light. The light is that space that you've created. <laughs> and if you love the darkness so much, guess who you're going to talk about? The devil and his power over you. Step into the light. Step into the space. Come on. I'm going to end off with the story of David and Goliath. Oh, man. Just go to 1 Samuel 17, 36. See, people like to debate and talk about the size of David's stone and the slingshot and the whatnot and how a little boy killed a Goliath and... And you know what? All of that stuff is immaterial. It's not even the main point of the story. When we go to Sunday school, the teacher says, Yes, that was a great race. And a clean clip. And to fall, David. Op sy kop. Ah, oh, dear, yes, sorry, sorry. See, I really messed it up. I mustn't sing in Afrikaans. I can't think of the English song right now, so that's, that's it. See, David made determined decisions in his life. And just like I spoke about the hotel that determined to stay open. When the lion came, David didn't run back to his dad and say, hey, there was a lion. I'm sorry. We lost 80% of our sheep. No, there was no reason. There was no excuse. And when the bear came, because he'd killed a lion, he could make a determined decision to kill the bear. There was no reason. There was no excuse good enough. He did it. So yeah, David is, and he's listening to Goliath. And verse 36 of Sam, 1 Samuel 17, 36, this is the crux, the main point of the story. There is no other main point. He says, your servant killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumphilistine shall be like one of them. That sounds like a determined statement. That doesn't sound like a weak prayer of hope. It sounds like, this will be the outcome. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And there David stands as a warrior, having not fought a single battle in his life, and he had already won in his heart. He said, that guy there, has stepped out of God's glory and he's defiled the kingdom. So he has no right to live. David could have thrown a mossy at him and he would have died. Doesn't matter what he used or how small it was. or David determined this guy. 
is gone. See, and that's the kind of determination you need to have when it comes to sin and dirt or anything in your life that steps on your plot and into your garden. How many of you know an invited guest is never welcome? An uninvited guest. Did I say an invited? No, I said an uninvited. (laughs) We moved into our new house five years ago, and my neighbor came to introduce himself, not at the front door. He jumped over the back wall and walked up to me in my yard and said, Hi, do you think I've ever invited that guy over for coffee or tea? The devil is not invited, he's not welcome in your space. The sin and the effects of the devil is not welcome in your space. You've got to clean it out, you've got to make sure it's not there. You've got to strengthen your faith, you've got to strengthen your well-being, and you've got to strengthen your belongings. Most often the way you look after your belongings speaks hordes about your level of faith. It's like pain. Pain is a good thing. How many of you love pain? Just show me how many of you love pain right now. And just quick hands up, everyone. Okay, but pain was designed by God. It's a good thing. Because, you know, when you step on a thorn that's this long, your body says, yo, and you step back. And something that's this long doesn't go that deep into you. That's what pain is designed for. It's a protection thing. So sometimes we experience pain in our lives and then we want to just lie down on the floor and cry like a Liverpool soccer player. I love those videos. Soccer, rugby. Soccer, rugby. Like, what's up with these guys? You see, sadly, so many Christians are like that too. Something bad happens. Oh, I don't understand. Why would God do that? Meantime, what they're looking at is the pain that they have in their lives because, you know what, they haven't looked after their belongings. I'm not trying to. I really don't want to make anyone. I want to inspire you. The thing about leadership, so we said, you know, if there's anything to complain about, it's because you haven't taken leadership of it. The thing about leadership is leadership is always positive of the outcome. No one's going to follow someone who complains about getting there. But you're going to follow people who say, when we get there, it's going to be awesome. Let's go. The businesses in the world that have the best working environments are those that share and cast the best vision. So that everyone understands where they're going and everyone knows that the sacrifice and the pain might just be worth it. Jesus knew the pain was going to be worth it. And so Romans says now, make a determined decision and effort to offer your body as a living sacrifice because it will be worth it. And don't for one moment just roll on the floor kicking and screaming because life might be unfair. God has given you every Every, I, can't, I feel like crying. I care so much about our people. I care so much about our nation. I care so much about every person I come into contact with. 
that they may just see the fullness of God and realize that God has given us everything we need to be the best. Amen. Let's stand. Holy Spirit, I just pray, Lord, that you do a miracle in our hearts and that you water this word right now and that you water our spirits with life-giving power, supernatural power of God. And we thank you, Lord, that we could gather this morning and just be so privileged to spend time in your presence and that you give us this wisdom that supersedes even our physical understanding. That you're always calling us forward, deeper and greater into bigger and more beautiful things. And I pray, Lord, that your rain will just start to just fall on every person here. That you'll just rain on our hearts and rain on our spirits, but that you'll come and rain in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you'll give us supernatural solutions, that you'll show us and give us the land we need to plow and to plant but that you'll also give us the ability and the courage to defend that which is ours and that which has already been given to us. I pray, Lord, that you will not allow a single person in our church to forget your goodness and to forget how great you are. That they will not be confused and look left and right, but they'll look straight into your eyes, constantly pulled upwards into your kingdom. And I anoint our eyes this morning to see only your kingdom established. (laughs) That our faith becomes the evidence of things not seen. We see it. And you I've just hit that revelation. We see it, but the world doesn't see it. And our faith is the evidence of that which the world can't see, but we can see. Because we're pressing into your goodness. We're pressing into your glory. We're pressing into your presence. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.